the end of Acts in our series, but I wanted to jump back into chapter 26 and just uh, give you a thought that I have here tonight. Uh, stories told about a pastor who got up in the middle of the pulpit and he apologized because there's a band-aid on his face. Uh, he said, I was thinking about the sermon while shaving and I cut my face. Uh, later that night, the treasurer found a note in the collection plate addressed to the pastor, next time think about your face and cut your sermon. Uh, so that's what I have to do tonight a little bit because of uh, communion time. I have some super spiritual daughters who sometimes will count the pages of the sermon notes to see if it'll be short or not, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll go quickly tonight. Acts chapter 26. I uh, want to just preach for a few minutes on I'm not mad, I'm transformed. Uh, look at Acts chapter 26, verse number 24. Paul is uh, on trial before King Agrippa and, uh, and the Roman governor Festus. He's given the opportunity to defend his actions and he uses this setting as an opportunity to share the salvation testimony. I find that fascinating and what an example for us when given an opportunity to defend himself, he instead gives the gospel. That's a tremendous testimony. A defense is by nature about oneself, is it not? If I'm going to defend myself, then it's going to be about myself. Well, Paul chose to talk about what God did for him, uh, rather than trying to get himself out of trouble and what God could do for them as well. And this is uh, the truest, really, really the truest form of Christianity is when you put others ahead of yourself. And that's what Paul does here. He's more concerned for their souls than he is for his own. These pagan rulers hear Paul testify about all that's happened to him, what the Savior that he claims to serve has called him to do, and look how they responded. Verse number 24. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth. And soberness. Father, I pray you'd bless the readings of your word now, the words we have to say about it in Jesus' name. Amen. Much learning doth make thee mad. Understand, of course, the word mad here is crazy, cuckoo, loco. That's what he's talking about. We're not talking about angry, we're talking about crazy. He calls him a madman. He tells Paul that all of his education and his learning has driven him over the edge. He's essentially saying, Paul, You've lost your mind. You're a lunatic. You've got to screw loose. Your belt doesn't go through all the loops and however we want to use to describe uh, what he's saying there. The word mad, the original word, is mania. We get our word mania from it. It means to rave, to be mad, to be out of one's mind. <coughs> mania is defined as obsession, an excessive and intense interest in or enthusiasm for something or a disorder characterized by rapidly changing ideas and impulsive behavior, mania. When these men hear what Paul was before he met Jesus Christ, what happened to him when he met Jesus Christ, and what he's saying about Christ and doing for God now, they concluded he's gone stark raving mad. They think he's crazy. When Paul hears this charge, he says, I'm not mad. Now, he doesn't say it exactly the way I'm saying it, but he essentially says, I'm transformed, I'm saved, I'm, I'm changed, I'm a new person. He recounts the change that affected his life after he met Christ. 
This is the crowning achievement of Christianity, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the changed life. That is the mark of Christianity. A lot of people can make a lot of claims about a lot of things, but the changed life is something that Christianity offers that really nothing else does. That God could save a murderer of Christians and change and transform his life so much so that he is now the leader of those Christians and has written much of the New Testament uh, as a, or ended up writing much of the New Testament there. The message is still clear today. There is nobody that God cannot save. There is nobody that God cannot change. And we ought to never get discouraged as we pray for those that we want to see saved and changed. When the world looks in on this thing called Christianity, when they take a look at this life that we live for Jesus Christ, sometimes they will conclude that we are being completely and utterly irrational. Here's a quote. I'm going to read you a couple of quotes here by supposed famous people. There's a quote by Hugh Laurie. If you could reason with religious people, there would be no religious people. Madeline O'Hare, that wonderful woman. The God idea has been detrimental not only to humankind, but to the earth. It is time now for reason, education, and science to take over. Ty M. Taylor said, Atheism isn't a religion, it's a personal relationship with reality. Bill Maher. Bill Maher said, we're a nation that is unenlightened because of religion. I do believe that. I think religion stops people from thinking. I think it justifies craziness. Christians the world over are attacked by supposed smart people. Uh, in many countries, they're tortured and killed. In America, we're just called crazy. We're called irrational. We're called mad, in other words. I would say to them, I'm not mad. I'm transformed. Amen? Like Paul said, uh, this is, a, this is a, an inward change that's taken apart in our life. I want to point out quickly here three areas in Paul's testimony that Festus and the others listening made them think that he was mad. By the way, the world today thinks your testimony is madness in some other areas as well. Uh, if you want to see what the world thinks is madness, uh, you don't have to look any further than Christianity. Just watch the, watch the news and hear about how we are spoken of. Uh, we have been called uh, pretty much every name under the book most lately as domestic terrorism, uh, looking at Christians sometimes. And so we are not respected by a secular world, and we need to remember and, uh, that, that uh, we have a defense here that we can give, much like Paul did. If you see, we're not going to read all of it, but verses 13 through 22, Paul's teachings sounded like madness. What were the claims that Paul made here? Well, he said he saw a light in verse number 13. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. Uh, he said he saw that light, it eclipsed the power of the sun. And then number two, he said he met the Lord Jesus Christ, verses 14 through 18. The same man that everyone knew died on a cross in Jerusalem. Many of them remembered it still. Now here's this nutty preacher claiming that he, that this dead Jesus is alive again. This is what infuriated them the most, by the way. Whenever people started preaching the resurrection, this drove them crazy. They knew that Jesus had been crucified, yet here Paul is preaching that Jesus was alive. He's disturbing the peace of the religious world. He's preaching the doctrine of res the resurrection, 
and people thought he had lost his mind. Now, his, his, though the, it angered the religious people more than probably it did the Romans, but his statements would have sounded bizarre even to the pagan Romans there. And our statement, by the way, it, that still sounds bizarre to many people today. But to anyone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Why? Because every saved person has seen the light. You, like Paul, and me, like Paul, we've seen the light if we're saved. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But you're a chosen generation, 2 Peter 2, 9, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Everyone who's saved can remember what it's like to be dead in our trespasses and sins. Uh, if they can remember what it's like to be one of the children of wrath, Ephesians 2, 3. If they can remember what the Holy Spirit, uh, when he drew us to Jesus, I remember it very clearly uh, when I was just a, a pretty young boy. Uh, I remember the conviction. I remember the drawing. I remember the, the, uh, the difference that I felt when I did get saved, gave my heart to Christ. And so we remember that when the light came on and when we saw for the first time that Jesus and Jesus alone is our only hope. Do you remember the day when the light came on for you? That, doesn't, that makes sense for us as Christians because every saved person has seen the light. And every saved person has also met the risen Lord that Paul preached. Now maybe not in person physically, but if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we can sing along with the song, I know He is risen because He lives within my heart. Now, there's no question there uh, for those of us who are saved, we have met Jesus Christ through a personal faith encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10:9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When the Spirit of God shows us our sins and points us to Jesus Christ for salvation... When we meet Him, we are said to be in Him, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. He has taken uh, us in on one hand, and God on the other hand has brought us together in Himself. And so we kind of can have the same testimony as Paul. We've seen the light, we've met the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that faith, we, we're talking about things there that from a human standpoint cannot be seen or understood from a human standpoint. And so when the world hears our testimony, it's, it's natural, it's understandable that they would think we are irrational. Let's just review what we talk about and believe. From Just try to put your, your uh, human hat on, not thinking as a Christian, thinking as a so-called rational human being, and listen to some of these claims. We talk about a baby that was born of a virgin. All right, that's pretty impossible, humanly speaking, isn't it? Yet that's what we believe and claim. We talk about a Savior who was crucified, bled to death, was killed, and then rose again three days later. We talk about His blood, how it washes our sin away. We believe in a God who we say created the universe and all that's in it. We say that we have a home one day in the clouds or wherever called heaven that we're going to live forevermore. We believe that Jesus Christ is coming back in the clouds. He's going to raise the dead again to our home in heaven. We believe in some things that sound insane to a lost world. That makes sense, doesn't it? Let's be understandable about it. But to those who have been lost in the depths of sin... 
to those of us who have made a trip to Calvary by faith and have met the risen Savior, it all makes perfect sense, doesn't it? And it is not, by the way, uh, this might sound irrational. Uh, have you ever looked at the beliefs and tenets of evolution? That sounds really irrational, a lot of that. So don't think that we're the only ones that believe in things that seem unbelievable. Okay? Uh, evolution is about as wacky as you can get, and they're ready to swallow that hook, line, and sinker. Simply believe the Bible, take God at his word. That'll be a, the simplest thing for us to do by faith. So his teaching sounded like madness. Secondly, his testimony sounded like madness. Verses 4 through 12 talks about his testimony. He was a very religious man. Look at verse number 5. Verse 5, who, which knew me from the beginning, and they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. He was a religious man. Here's the problem, though. Religion won't save you. In fact, religion greases up the slide to damnation. A religious, religion will speed a person up uh, as, as a lost, in his lost condition. Matthew 23, 15, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you can pass land and sea to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Uh, this is, uh, religion doesn't take you closer to heaven. It takes you further away from heaven. He was a religious man. He was a zealous man. Verses 9 through 11 talks about that. He was passionate. He was sincere. By the way, sincerity never saved anyone either. I can be sincere going the wrong direction. It won't get me to the right place, no matter how sincere I am. And so that doesn't save anybody. Uh, then thirdly, he was a man of considerable wealth and position and power and influence. Verse 12, look at what the Bible says in verse number 12. Uh, whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. Yet when Paul met the Lord, simply walked away from that old life and began to serve Jesus Christ. He was feared by the church, he was respected by its elders, and he was respected by his peers. Uh, he was, uh, now he saw a light on the path. He talked to a man that everybody believed was dead. He was thrown away now, everything he's ever believed and loved. And uh, he's abandoned everything that defined his old life. It is absolutely irrational to anyone who's watching. No wonder Festus took a look at all that and said, Paul, you've gone crazy, man. You're, you're, you've went mad. Every saved person, though, can agree with Paul in these certain areas. We have abandoned our old life, I hope. Amen. Should be a change in your heart when you get saved. When a lost sinner comes to Christ by faith, uh, everything in his life changes. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This verse points out the radical change that takes place in our very nature. Uh, one creature has differing habits, interests, likes, and tastes from another creature. That happens in the animal kingdom. One creature eats grass, another eats meat. One creature is nocturnal, Others sleep at night, do their thing through the day. The, the things, animals are different, people are different. Differences show up in the lives of those who have been saved by grace. Now the redeemed, the saved, we still have our old natures. If you can pinch and feel it, you still have your old nature, unfortunately. Uh, we haven't lost, thank, thank goodness when we get saved, we're saved from the penalty of sin. As we grow in Christ and he... Gives us, uh, he gives us victory over the power of sin. But we uh, do not yet uh, do, we have, do we have victory over the presence of sin. That will only happen with our glorified bodies. And I'm looking forward to that day. 
But uh, this battle that goes within us every day uh, will last until the day we die. Galatians 5.17, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, uh, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to another, that you cannot do the things you would. And so there is that inward battle going on. But we ought to have departed the old life. Now, many of you, like myself, I got saved pretty young. I hadn't dealt drugs. I hadn't knocked over any banks. I hadn't really uh, done anything supposedly evil, but I was a sinner. But I can look at my life and I can say that God saved me from drugs. He kept me from going into them. Amen. Never been drunk. God saved me from drunkenness. Never went uh, in down that path. Uh, so you can, he can save you out of it or he can save you from it. I'm just grateful uh, to be saved from those things. Paul points out this truth in Romans 7, that while the saint of God still has the old nature that craves sin, the saint of God has help on the inside now because we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. He is kind of like that spiritual buffer for us. He strengthens the child of God and helps in that fight against sin. He empowers us, enables us to say no to the flesh and uh, be in control of it. That's why we're said to be different. That's why the Bible says we've changed. Uh, we are a new creature. The flesh still desires the things of this world, but the spiritual man uh, desires uh, to the spiritual man, those desires, we are dead to those things that we desired before, Romans chapter 6. There's a desire or should be a desire within us for the right things of God, the Bible, church, fellowship with God's people. And those things now become a delight. You know, to a child of God, I mean, look, grateful you're here tonight, but uh, it's sometimes retired on Sunday night, I get that, but it's a joy to come to church, isn't it? It isn't a drudgery for me. I enjoy coming together and spending time with God's people. Uh, you folks in this church are my favorite people in the whole world, and that, I mean that sincerely. And so I enjoy coming together and spending that time together for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a drudgery. It's something we desire because of uh, being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. John 3, 7. Marvel not to say unto thee, you must be born again. 1 Peter 1, 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Jesus Christ changes our life. Amen? And so, that's, we're not crazy. We're transformed. To some people, that might seem like we're crazy. But Paul says, I'm not mad. And then he proceeds to tell what Jesus Christ did for him. Now, if you can't go where you used to be able to go, or used to go, do what you used to do, be who you used to be, talk like you used to talk, walk like you used to walk, live like you used to live, you're not mad, you're transformed. That's a good thing, amen? For us to live different for the Lord Jesus Christ. But, when you encounter your old crowd or your old friends, people have gone a different direction than you, uh, sometimes you might find yourself ridiculed or they might think that you have went off the deep end. I'm not mad, Paul says, transformed. His teaching sounded like madness. His testimony sounded like madness. Also, his task sounded like madness. This is found in verses 16 through 22. He claims to have seen a light brighter than the sun. He claims to have talked to a dead man who is now alive again. He says that this once dead man has called him to leave behind a life of power and prestige and prosperity to go all over and tell everyone he meets that they should too follow this once dead, now living Lord. It says that this once dead man has uh, called him to these things, and of course, that sounded absolutely ridiculous 
to somebody like Festus. That's why he said, Paul, the cheese has slipped out of your sandwich, essentially, here. He says, you're going crazy. You are mad. As crazy as this might have sounded, crazier still was the fact that he was doing all these things. The change in Paul's life was real. The calling he received was so compelling that he acted on it. He couldn't help but tell others about Jesus Christ and what he had done in his life. 1 Corinthians 9.16 For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing but glory, uh, nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. We all have that, by the way. Necessity is laid on us. We must be about giving the gospel. The same desire gripped the prophets of old, and the same desire ought to grip our hearts. Uh, that, that has been placed on our shoulders as well. The Bible is clear that we are to tell what Jesus has done for us and what he can do for them too. Great uh, example of this was the message we heard last Sunday night by Brother Croker. Uh, laid this out so clearly how this is all of our responsibility. Mark uh, 16, 15, Matthew 28, 18 through 19, the Great Commission. Don't, uh, when you can feel compelled to tell somebody about the crucified, risen Savior, what he can do for them in their life, don't let the world make you think you're crazy for spreading that message. Yet every one of us feels it, don't when you're about to give a tract to a stranger or you're ready to talk to somebody or you feel that nudging from the Holy Spirit to give somebody the gospel, we all have that tinge of, man, if I talk to them, they're going to think I'm some kind of cuckoo. Uh, don't let the world define us that way. Paul certainly didn't. It simply proves not that you're crazy. It proves that you are a saved, transformed child of God. If you know him, you can't help but tell others about him. Sharing the gospel ought to be the most natural thing in the world for a Christian because of what he's done for us in our life. On that day, Paul may have been in court with some big men, and he was. Important guys, important men. But really and truly, the only sane man in the room was the one in chains, Paul himself. He was being interrogated by... Uh, eternally speaking the crazy ones the ones who sacrifice eternity for temporary things the fools in the world today are not in churches or mental institutions the fools in the world are those who are lost in sin and they will not come to the Lord Jesus Christ they're the ones looking for love satisfaction and fulfillment in all the wrong places the real lunatics are the ones who hear the gospel and turn a deaf ear to it reject what Jesus Christ has done for them and uh, live the life that they want to live in sin and selfish pursuits. We are the ones who have found the answer to life's questions, the solution to life's problems. The answer, the solution, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us never be intimidated like Paul was not intimidated. It's one of the things I love about Paul all throughout the book of Acts. He was never intimidated. It doesn't matter who Festus was. Paul's going to stand up and preach the gospel anyway. Uh, don't be intimidated by a bunch of people who have been driven insane by their sin. They are the ones with the problems. We are the ones with the solution if we have the word of God. I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to talk like we uh, are better than somebody else or turning my nose down at people. It's because of this book that we have the solution to the world's problems. The word of God uh, has done so much for us. Let's help others as well. So, 
may we who are saved never be ashamed of who we are, what the Lord has done for us. Even though a lost and dying world around us might try to make us out to be a bunch of kooks, let us be faithful with what the Lord Jesus Christ has given us to do, uh, whether or not it makes us popular in a world today. We should not look to be popular in the world anyway. We should look to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's find ourselves doing that this week. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for the book of Acts. It's such a great, uh, all the way back in 2019 started that book, the study on that book on Sunday evenings. And it's been a good time of learning for me anyway. I hope that it's been a help to folks. And I just pray that you'd help us use these examples that we find in this book. Uh, we would be brave, we would not be intimidated, that we would be bold with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ with all those that we meet. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, thank you again for coming tonight. We appreciate you being here. I uh, hope you have a great week serving the Lord this week. If there's anything we can do for you, hesitate to let us know. We'll hope to see you again Wednesday night, 7 o'clock.